Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of the Going Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. Uh, Saturday night, late night as I record this. Well, not too late. 7 p.m. as I record this. A few hours after the Duck game. 49-13 win for Oregon over Arizona State. It was just an absolute dominant performance. 42 to nothing at the half. Six first-half touchdowns for Bo Nix. Ties an Oregon record. Other uh, records that were broken throughout the day, Oregon records broken by Troy Franklin, Camden Lewis, tied by Bo Nix. Dominant performance from the defense, really, really impressive showing from the crowd. Um, you know, there's some some things happening elsewhere in the Pac-12 and the college football nation that are very notable for the Ducks. We're going to touch on all of that. A lot to get to. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. Like I said up top, there was a lot to get to. Um, you're getting me in a post-game pod, not waiting until Sunday morning to record this, so a little bit less structured than you would get otherwise, but um, I guess that's the price you pay when you get the uh, the podcast right out the night after the, the game happens. So let's go ahead and dive right into this. I'm going to go through some of my biggest takeaways from the game before getting into some elsewhere in the Pac-12, elsewhere in the college football nation, looking at um, just the day as a whole. Let's talk about some of these records that took place on on Saturday because I think that's probably the most notable thing that happened. Um, I'm going to start with Bo Nix. He he didn't technically break a record. He tied a record. Um, Nix had six touchdown passes in the first half, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, he finished with 404 yards and six touchdowns. He had a seventh touchdown um, that was called back because of an offensive pass interference on Terrence Ferguson, which was an absolutely awful, awful, awful call from the officials. I mean, they said that he pushed off to go up and get the ball. He didn't at all. He was just a bigger, more physical receiver that just was doing what he was doing and just went up and in the process of the catch, the cornerback fell off of him. And um, so it, in reality, Bo Nick should have broken the touchdown record for Oregon quarterbacks with seven. Um, regardless, he gets six on the day and has just an absolute banner day. It's just it would be interesting to see what he could have done with even three full quarters of play, um, let alone a whole game. I mean, he played the whole first half and then one drive in the third quarter before coming out and Ty Thompson came in. So um, he was impressive, of course, as you would expect. At the moment, uh, both Michael Penix and Jaden Daniels are still playing right now. So um, it's kind of hard to get a, a true snapshot of what the Heisman race looks like. But it's hard to think that Bo Nix could have done any more than he did on Saturday to, to up his case for the Heisman. Um, he was already the kind of the leader in the clubhouse coming into this game, according to betting odds. There was some buzz about Jaden Daniels and what he's been able to do, but um, you know, the fact that LSU has three losses, I think definitely hurts his case. So I expect on Saturday morning or on Sunday morning, excuse me, when I look at the Heisman betting odds, Bo Nix to be leading the clubhouse because um, he just proves week in and week out that he's um, one of, if not the best player in college football right now. And it's just, it's been amazing to watch. Looking at Troy Franklin, uh, he had a huge day. Let me see what his final stats were. I can pull them up real quick. Franklin had eight catches for 128 yards and two touchdowns, a long of 45 yards. 
Um, he broke the record for most single season yards with Oregon. He now has 1,221. He broke the record from Dylan Mitchell in 2018. He also broke the record for most single season touchdowns. He now has 13. He took that record from, I believe it was Josh Huff and Jeff Mayle, if I'm remembering correctly. And then he also tied the Oregon record for most career receiving touchdowns with 24. So you have to imagine that next game or the game after that, he will break that record as well. So great day for Troy Franklin, a really good day for Camden Lewis as well. He was six for six on extra points. He broke the record for most career points in Oregon history. Um, that's a huge record, and that's one that's going to be hard for anyone to take away from him. He broke Royce Freeman's record, who had it at 374. Camden now is 376. Again, uh, probably two more games, at least one more game, maybe two. Well, at least two more games, maybe three games, I should say, left um, for Camden to keep adding on that record. So we'll see how that how high that is when all is said and done. But just all in all, a record day for the Ducks. I know that the stats really don't matter. What matters is the win. Um, you worry about that first and foremost. They got the win. They did it in an impressive fashion. So then you can look at the stats and say, hey, this was this was super impressive what these guys were able to do. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, there was there was a feeling going into this game, just a worried feeling from Oregon fans. And it was understandable. I, I completely understood it from any fan's perspective. Going into Arizona in November in late season situations has not been good for the Ducks over the past decade or so, couple of decades actually. You go all the way back to 2007, Oregon had that incredible season going with Dennis Dixon. Dixon was, you know, bound to win the Heisman at that point. He was easily the front runner. They go down to Arizona, Dixon blows out his knee, I think tears his ACL. The Ducks lose, and their championship dreams are, are gone by the wayside. Dixon loses the Heisman, of course. Um, go back to 2017. I know that wasn't a late-season game, but the Ducks went down to, to Tempe and lost. 2019, late-season game, Oregon. That was really interesting. Oregon then was ranked number six, just like they were this year. They were 9-1 and one in 2019, just like they were this year. And they lost to Arizona State in Tempe in 2019. Um, so with all of that, you know, on the mind with a, a long memory, Duck fans were a little bit worried about this game. And I, I understood why I didn't really blame any of them. It's it's fair to say now that, you know, these curses or this these uh, bad juju feelings, I guess you would say, that Duck fans have had over the past couple of decades. We should really reconsider them under Dan Lanning because he's shown in his time at Oregon that, you know, none of that stuff really matters anymore. That stuff is just... Yeah, it's something to talk about. It's something that the fans remember, but it doesn't matter going forward. These are single games going forward. Um, in his tenure at Oregon, he's undefeated against unranked teams. This is not a Mario Cristobal team that goes down to Stanford and struggles or goes to Arizona State and struggles, struggles against Washington State, struggles against Arizona. Um, those so-called curses or those trap games, those really aren't a thing. They haven't shown to be a thing under Dan Lanning so far. So, um, I think that's one thing I just come away from this game with thinking that's just I think that we've seen time and time again that um, you know this team does a really good job of not looking past any opponent. Um, it would have been really easy to look past Arizona State today because they're I mean all due respect they're not a great team. I mean they're they're a team that relies on trick plays and gadget plays and trying to catch you off guard because they know that they don't have the talent to stack up man to man in a traditional football game. And Dan Lenning said as much in the the post game. I thought it was interesting. He had some comments about 
they came out first play of the game. Arizona State was running trick plays, which that just showed them right away that, you know what, this team thinks that they cannot beat us head-to-head, man-to-man in a normal football game. they got to try and pull out tricks already. And it was just interesting to see that, interesting to hear him say that. But, you know, um, it would have been easy for Oregon to look past this game, having Oregon State on the schedule next week, a huge Civil War game that's going to be, you know, if Oregon wins, they're in the Pac-12 championship. And if they win the Pac-12 championship, they're probably in the college football playoff. Um, you know, so it would have been easy to look past this game. But under Dan Landing, we've seen that that hasn't been a problem for this team. They focus on the game at hand. Um, they take each week at a time and and make sure to get the job done and take care of business. So um, it'll be interesting to see going forward. Um, I know it's it's going to change next year because we're not playing in the Pac-12 anymore. You don't have these games against Cal and Arizona State and, and Stanford and Washington, uh, Washington State, I should say. But uh, these this the sense of a trap game is not really as much of a concern anymore under this new coaching staff. I want to give a quick shout out to Patrick Herbert. Uh, he had probably, I think, one of his best games as a duck. I have not looked at his, uh, you know, his past statistics in other games, but in this game alone, he had three catches for seventy-eight yards and two touchdowns. He had the first two touchdowns of the day. Um, the first one of which were, went for twenty-three yards. The second one went for forty-nine yards on a screen pass. Um, if you did not watch the game or did not see highlights of the game, I uh, encourage you to go find a highlight of this screen pass touchdown for Patrick Herbert. It was the absolute best way that you can ever run this play. And just, it will be used as teach tape for coaches going forward on how to run a screen pass. Cause you had Jackson powers, Johnson and Steven Jones running down to the goal line, just like a convoy for, for Patrick Herbert, just lead blocking for him. It was a thing of beauty. It was just, it was run so well um, just to absolute perfection. So um, I, I just think that it was a really, really good day for Patrick Herbert, really good for him to show what he can do when he's fully healthy. I know that we always talk about, you know, Terrence Ferguson is the lead tight end and one of the main guys in the offense. And yes, while he, he still is, he's a, a huge part of this offense. Patrick Herbert has shown throughout the season that he can be a really, really important guy in this offense as well. I also want to give a shout out to Gary Bryan Jr. He had a he had a really big day on Saturday. He's had a kind of a quiet season just in terms of, you know, particularly what I was expecting from him. I thought he would probably be the number three guy on this offense in the passing game. At least he's been pretty quiet. Maybe the four or five guys so far on Saturday, he had three catches for 81 yards and a touchdown and his one touchdown. I mean, he, he took that one pass. It was kind of a screen pass. He took it for 71 yards for a touchdown, had a nice spin move, had a couple of broken tackles in there as well. So, um, I, it's not a ton to say to Gary. I was just impressed by what he was able to do and the fact that he's been able to have, you know, probably a lesser role than he expected to have coming to Eugene, but still stay, um, you know, stay in tune and stay, you know, attentive to everything. And he, he stepped up when his number was called on Saturday. So I thought that was a really good showing from him. And I'm, I'm happy that he was able to have his due. One of the benefits of Bo Nix going out early in the third quarter is that we got to see a quarter and a half of Ty Thompson. Um, it was really, it was probably one of the bigger sample sizes that we've seen from him. Of course, he, you know, it was running a, a run out the clock situation, so he did not have anywhere close to the full playbook at his disposal. I think he only uh, completed, or I think he attempted six passes on the day. He completed four of them. One of them went for a touchdown to Casey Kelly, um, but he looked good. I mean, he he looked really solid. He did what everything he was asked to do in that moment. He 
um, had an incredible touchdown pass to Casey Kelly that I encourage you to go find that video as well, because he, this is probably, I tweeted is the, the best throw he's had in an Oregon uniform. And it's a throw that, you know, next year when we're kind of debating who that starting quarterback is for the ducks, this is one that we should think back to and remember, because we know, of course we've known this before. It's not like we just learned today, but Ty Thompson has the arm talent to be a really, really incredible player. It's just, it's the other things. It's um, the decision-making and the accuracy that sometimes needs a little bit of work. And this year it's been a lot better. I mean, we've seen some really good things from him this year. He did have one interception in this game. His arm got hit when he was trying to throw a ball to Treshawn Holden. Um, so that, that floated a little bit and got picked off. I don't really blame him for that. Maybe you don't throw it when you're, you know, under that type of pressure. But in the end, I don't think it was... Um, you know, too big a ding on his resume, but I was I was impressed from what he had to do today and what he had to show. Um, I think that you know we're in a situation this year where we don't really need Thompson um, to be anything special at all, and he hasn't had many opportunities to either. But um, you know, he's shown enough this year to feel relatively confident going forward that he's at least going to be in the mix starting next year. Um, I'm sure that Oregon's going to go through the transfer portal and get a quarterback as well to come in and compete with him. But, you know, at this point, I, I think it actually will be a competition. I mean, we said that when, when Bo Nix came, we're like, oh yeah, he's going to come in and compete with Ty Thompson for the starting job. So the same thing about Anthony Brown going to compete with Ty Thompson. Neither of them were really, you know, competitions. I think that Thompson was always viewed as the second guy compared to both those guys. This year, depending on who they bring in, I think it'll be a real competition. I think it's going to be something to watch in spring ball and fall camp because Thompson's shown to be a really, really solid passer. And if he can continue to make strides in the mental side of the game and the accuracy side of the game and decision making, he's going to be a really good player going forward and someone that I think can lead this team to a lot of success. All right, before we get to our um, elsewhere in the Pac-12 segment, I just want to talk about some potential chaos in the uh, the national landscape in the college football world. We didn't have any major upsets yet. It's still, you know, 7.20 p.m. on Saturday as I record this. So um, Texas is currently up 13-3 to over Iowa State. I expect them to win. Washington is currently beating Oregon State as well. So I expect those two games to go final in the next hour or so we'll probably learn a little bit more then but the biggest you know occurrence was with florida state who is currently undefeated um and has a clear shot to the acc championship and a spot in the college football playoff however their quarterback jordan travis suffered a significant uh gruesome injury on saturday night i you know it looked like he broke or dislocated his leg one of those where i don't encourage you to go find the video. It's one of those things where you, you know, just take my word for it. You don't need to see it. Um, you know, he got rolled up on when running and he, when he came out of the pile or rolled over, his foot was not pointing in the direction that it was supposed to be. So um, really unfortunate for him that will undoubtedly end his season and his college career. Um, and this is, you know, I, I struggle with this cause it's really tough. Football's a, a brutal sport where you kind of have to deal with these potential, you know, life altering career altering injuries. But then we still kind of, you know, myself as an analyst has to look at this at a, um, from a, a further distance away and say, all right, how does this impact the ducks? 
And I just want to say, you know, before I go any further, all due respect to Jordan Travis. I hope he gets better. I hope he, you know, has a, a full recovery and is able to play a game because he's a really solid quarterback. But looking at this just from an Oregon standpoint, I can't help but acknowledge that this potential, you know, outcome and change for Florida State has a huge impact on the Ducks. I mean, if Florida State were to lose one of their next couple of games, um, you know, I, I honestly don't even know who their backup quarterback is, but I can say confidently that he's not as good as Jordan Travis. Um, they are now facing an uphill battle to win the ACC and to stay undefeated and get that spot in the college football playoff. And if they were to fall out of that um, playoff spot, that's a huge thing for the Ducks. I mean, that that opens up a spot in the playoff and pretty much guarantees that if Oregon should win the Pac-12 championship game, they would get a spot in the playoff. And that's even with that chaos scenario that we talked about last week where Alabama could potentially beat Georgia in this SEC title game and get two SEC teams in the in the college football playoff. Even if that happens, if Florida State's not in there, that still leaves a spot potentially for the winner of the Pac-12, whether it's Oregon or Washington or whoever. Well, it would only be those two that could make it to the playoff if they got to the Pac-12 title game and won. But, you know, it's it feels insensitive to be saying, oh yeah, that's it's too bad about his injury, but what else does it mean? But um, sometimes in the sport, you, you got to kind of from a fan perspective, from a, a media perspective, look at the bigger picture. I um, hope all the best for Jordan Travis. I, I can't say that enough. I'm very sorry about that injury and sorry about the, the downturn it takes on their season, but um, it's, it's hard not to see how this, overall impacts the Pac-12 and the college football world and um, really is it it raises the ceiling for the Ducks and gives them a bigger opportunity going forward. All right, real quick, let's look at um, elsewhere in the Pac-12. Friday night, Washington State versus Colorado. That was not an important game for anything. Washington State looked good. They blew out Colorado 56-14. to Colorado will not make a bowl game under Deion Sanders. I don't think anyone... Um, before the season, projected them to, um, of course, after they started the season, 4-0, everyone thought they were going to make the college football playoffs, so it's kind of interesting how we've gotten here. Um, I'm not going to spend any more time on either of those teams, I think, for the rest of the year, unless Washington State can maybe do something crazy against Washington next week. Uh, California against Stanford. Cal beat Stanford in um, in that rivalry 27-7. to What was it? 27 to 15. That's not an important game at all. UCLA blew the doors off of USC, won 38 to 20. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying online that while UCLA went into that game expecting to fire Chip Kelly soon, maybe USC is leaving that game thinking that they should fire their own head coach. Um, people are really questioning what Lincoln Riley is doing down at USC. That team, I didn't get to watch most of that game. I saw some highlights and saw some analysis from other people and said that USC just looked completely flat and like they had um, no desire at all to be anywhere near the field. So it's just interesting to see Uh, Arizona beat Utah 42 to 18. That was a really, really impressive win from the Wildcats. That one kind of came at a detriment to the ducks. Um, Like I said earlier, Oregon could have clinched a spot in the Pac-12 title game if Utah had won that game and if or, or if Washington had won or does win on Saturday night. Um, but Utah lost, so Oregon will need a win next week to get into the conference title game. But 
like I said, Washington and Oregon State are still playing at the moment that I record this. Washington's currently up 22-17. to 17. I know it's just pouring rain up in Corvallis. That's been an interesting game to watch, but um, that's kind of where we where things stand in the Pac-12 as of now. Um, I know I will I'll update when I talk to you guys later this week um, on where things stand and what the ramifications are going forward. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you again for tuning in and uh, following along. I'm going to have Jerry Allen on the podcast early this week. I know that we record Monday afternoon. I expect that podcast to go out on Tuesday morning. I may, I probably won't wait. I'll probably get that out on Tuesday morning. I may record another one on Tuesday night, depending on what the college football playoff rankings do. And that will also depend on, you know, what some other teams do, what Washington team, what Washington does tonight, what Texas does tonight. If there's some some drastic changes, I'll probably record something short on Tuesday night and get it out. But other than that, I will be back on with uh, Jerry Allen early in the week to preview what could potentially be the last civil war that we get in a long, long time. So um, that will be something for you to look forward to. I'm excited for that interview. Jerry is always an incredibly fun person to talk to. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. I will talk to you guys this week. Until then, take it easy. Mm